Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Connections. I'm your host, Stefan. I'm here today with my buddy, Eugene. Reached out on Twitter. Another individual who we're going to have on the podcast talk about um, a couple of different things. Just continuing to unpack our, our experiences in technology, continuing to unpack their journeys, what's going on, and whatever other randomness uh, comes up. So, Eugene, welcome, man. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I think I've, I've said this a number of times. I'm, I'm starting to interact with more people on Twitter kind of in passing. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm ashamed to admit I don't we don't really know each other that well. So this will be a really interesting episode to to get to know you because I'll be learning about you just uh, right along with everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited. So I just want to like, I want to start with just something like super simple and just kind of talk about. Um, so so for me recently, I don't know if you've been having this same kind of feeling, but like I've, I've been struggling with kind of like talking to and reaching out to people on Twitter, um, mostly because it's, it's starting to get like overloaded right so like for a year for all for like over a year now we've been you know kind of confined because of the pandemic to a um, to our individual spaces and in the world's opening back up but it's very slow and most of us have just spent so much time on social media now how do you how's that affecting you how are you holding up with that uh yeah you're right about that um uh, i'm holding up okay um Mostly, uh, I try to communicate or stay in touch with my friends and or to reconnect with my friends because, you know, when COVID happened, uh, some of my friends just kind of um, uh, weren't in a place where we could maintain communication because a lot of stuff happened. But we slowly but surely reconnecting to each other. On social media, the same kind of thing. I'm trying to connect with people. And uh, if we have mutual interests, if we have uh, mutual values, I think it's rather easy. But you kind of you can kind of tell by the content when what people put out, like on Twitter or on their like YouTube or whatever their social media. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I one of the things that I've been. Um especially recently, making sure that I'm very intentional about it, is who I choose to kind of allow into my space. Um, you know, I used to just follow people because, you know, hey, everyone else follows this person and they seem kind of cool. But now just being more intentional about who I who I choose to follow because, you know, you, you, you do want to make sure that, that um, I don't know, at least I want to make sure that the people who I'm following, like, you know, it's good content and, and not necessarily just like, uh, I don't know, just how, how challenging it can be to follow, to follow some individuals. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it also very important to uh, take care of your mental health because sometimes you can expose yourself to the energy or the vibe or the information that you don't want to see like all the time or you're not ready to see. So I'm also very intentional of who I follow. And uh, sometimes I unfollow people and it's nothing personal. I sometimes not in the right place just to be in that timeline for the time being. And when I'm ready, I can follow back again. Yeah, I agree with that. I've, I I had uh, just recently, I unfollowed someone, they reached out to me um, and asked why I unfollowed them. And it was the, the content they were putting out was just very um, draining is the word that I'll use. And, you know, I, I shared that perspective with them. 
Um, they weren't too thrilled with the explanation, but you know, I, I very much agree with you that sometimes like I just don't have the mental space, the mental capacity to, um, to, to absorb that and, and to protect myself, especially during this time, it's important to make sure that I'm following, I'm following people and people, and also not just, you know, um, and also making sure that the content that I'm putting out isn't isn't giving that to people as well, that they're just drained by my timeline. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, another thing that I try to do on my quote unquote professional social media is to provide value to other people, especially people who are trying to get into iOS development and tech. And if I connect it or reacting to a content that it's not really uh, to their place where they at with their journey or it's not providing them any value. It's rather, it may rather harm them, rather provide value. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, you know, what I like is, um, you know, after after we, we kind of upped it to each other the other day, I took a look at your, um, I took a look at your YouTube channel, which is which has a pretty like nice, Nice following on it. So one, I just, I definitely wanted to, you know, talk about that a little bit. Um, but some of your content, I think your content's very intentional in terms of making sure that you're, um, you know, it's it's very focused, right? So like I saw, uh, I think recently, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I'm losing track of days again. <laughs> but I think you put out like an Xcode, um, uh, uh, an Xcode video, which I thought was one very well done. So I wanted to just just give you that feedback. It was an amazing video. Um, but two. Um, just very intentional about like being uplifting. Like it's, it was kind of a light video and not like very serious. And it, and it made learning that too. Um, it made learning fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And like with the, with my YouTube videos, it kind of depends. Sometimes uh, I have to get into topics where are, that are a little bit more like serious, for example, diversity in tech, it's a serious topic. There's not so much place for like uplifting like hey witches don't have diversity in tech yay so like i definitely like have to get more serious and like kind of switch focus of my audience to like more serious stuff or when we're like coding super complicated stuff um it's just like you just have to get down to uh that complexity so people can understand and then we can have fun yeah, I'm really, I really think it's, it's, um, it says something, especially as, as being a content creator of having to like, think about your audience and how they're going to receive something and how they're going to perceive something. It, it really forces you, um, if you want to be able to contribute support and, and educate and grow others, it forces you to really think about, uh, how a diverse number of people are going to receive the content that you're putting out there, um, how they're going to, and how it's going to affect them. Uh, of course, we can't be perfect with it, but but the greater majority of our content does have to be um, very well thought out and tailored. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And for me, it was a journey because uh, at the beginning, I just started. I, I just started my YouTube channel as a portfolio. Like, hey, this is what I can do. And then later on, I realized that like, but I can also provide value to other engineers and iOS developers or QA engineers uh, who are looking for answers. And uh, uh, everyone is learning differently. Maybe there is one person who is looking for 
a practical example and they are learning through the video better. So why don't I just go ahead and create that content and cover that topic that they were looking for? Because that was something I struggle with before. So a majority of my videos kind of come from the place like, well, I, I couldn't figure it out. And then I, I find an answer. So I just try to go ahead and record a video how I did it. So other people don't have to struggle as much as I did. When you're, so I think um, one of the things that as a content creator and something that I've, you know, I struggled with in the in, in the past personally is what do you feel like your biggest roadblocks are when you're when you're creating content? Um, I know for me, you know, one of my things is, is I, I struggle with being a perfectionist. So like I'll do something again and again and again and again. And it took me to get to a place of saying like, hey, I'm just going to put something out there. And if it didn't work this time, I'll try it a different way next time. Um, how, do, how do you work through that? So I think it is majority of the time it is time itself. I don't have enough time to uh, cover like all of the topics that I would like to cover because, you know, like I have full-time job and when you uh, work for like eight, nine hours a day and then you have to code again and figure out a solution that you want to present on your YouTube channel, it can be a lot. So yeah, that kind of the balance between like work and life. And also I try to, uh, switch my content like for example if i'm too burnt out uh, of coding for example i have really really not difficult but like busy week at, at work so at, on friday or thursday i don't want to be coding like after work so i'd rather talk about something different that it doesn't include coding so because software development is such a broad topic that it's not all about coding it's about your uh, your uh, professional journey is about your marketing yourself as a developer is about being just a human being and treat others with respect so yeah i i think um i think like that's that's you know timing and, and i don't know i'm just it, i find that that's such a, a a difficult thing to like really carve out um because like you said, like during the day, so, you know, the majority of us have full-time jobs where content creation isn't our job, right? So I know it's it's very draining to have spent all day, um, you know, doing X task, usually coding, and then turning around and then jumping back offline, um, offline from work, and then jumping back on, like, kind of switching that context very hard. And now I'm coding for, I don't know coding for down coding for whatever audience I'm, I'm trying to produce content for. And I, I know that can be super challenging. I'm very fortunate in the fact, well, in some ways of being an engineering manager, um, because I don't spend all day coding when I do get to, I don't feel as drained around doing it, but then there are topics that like, I don't want to talk about sometimes. So I spend all day talking about how to, you know, grow and develop others. And I have tons of thoughts and, and experience and things I'd love to share on it. But creating a YouTube video about something that I've talked about all day. I don't know. It did, like the idea, like even right now, it just feels exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I totally hear you. And sometimes you just need that break where you, you just do nothing and it's totally okay not to be productive and take all the break, all the time you need. 
Yeah, I think um, I think like one of the things I've been trying to do is pace myself out. So I have I've been um, whipping up some content lately. Just want to have some stuff in the backlog so I can start releasing it. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that like that pacing is is just so important. Um, and and making sure that you you're giving yourself the time that you you need in order to to you know create really. Um, I think often people people don't realize that like these witty ideas that we for every like one or two witty ideas that we come up with or witty studies that we come up with in content creation, there were like seven or eight or, or more that failed or that didn't sound right, didn't come out right. Yeah, uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and uh, sometimes I spent a lot of time re-recording my videos because it just it just didn't come out right, and sometimes it can be just one sentence, like you know what, and after what sentence where I know I kind of screw up, like no, like I I I, I can't I can't let it go. I have to start over, and sometimes I spent a lot of time just re-recording myself and find the right rhythm, the right, um, the right, um, the right way to just like to deliver the message. So I, I, I struggled so long. Um, I was really excited. I wanted to start a podcast, but again, that perfectionism thing really, really got to me. And I can say the first episode, I, my intro episode for this podcast, I recorded that probably about, I wouldn't be exaggerating if I said 15 times, um, where I would do it and I would be unhappy with, it, it, it could have been a word. Like I could have said a word that I didn't like. Um, and I just, I would throw off the entire episode. Um, and, and that's after spending like 20, 30 minutes recording, re-recording. Um, and then finally I got to a point, I think I was, I was so exhausted because I was doing it all, um, you know, after work and after dinner where the house is quiet. And I finally got to a place where I was like, you want to know whatever comes up next, like this is just it. Like there's no more re-recording. There's no more redoing. Like this is it. And it, it, that helped me to be able to, to do this now, um, to talk to people just candidly today. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I just like, it's just how it's going to be. It's just how it's going to be because like you can be perfect. And if you like, if you try to make your video absolutely perfect, I don't know, like it, it I, I find it rather difficult and see, like the thing is when I started YouTube, I was recording on my phone without mic and i i didn't know how to edit anything so now i have all the tools that i can like edit my video and like you know what i could just cut it out if i don't like it so like i i i should just be rolling move, move forward <laughs> um i had to get to the exact same place of like wait a minute why am i re-recording this for the third or fourth or fifth time like I have, I have logic. I have, um, you know, whatever tooling I need, like I can easily fix this. Why am I spending so much time doing it? So, uh, I, I can definitely understand and appreciate that. I, I do want to dig into, um, a couple of things just from, from that, you know, that you mentioned just some of the things that we talked about earlier. Um, so I know you said that you're, you're an iOS dev. Um, you started in QA. Why don't you walk us through the journey a little bit? Just want to hear what that sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a degree, I have a master's degree in clinical psychology and a minor in deaf studies. And uh, before joining tech, I was working in the behavioral health field, but 
unfortunately, behavioral health is not valued as much as it should. And behavioral health professionals, they're not paid well enough to support themselves, especially when you have family and when you have other people who depend on you. So it's, it's, it's a struggle. So I decided to kind of explore other areas that I could get into. I was looking at nursing. I was looking at uh, law school, but I, I also had, uh, I also had my partner with me at the time and like, well, going back to school wasn't really an option. So, and somebody told me about QA and uh, the way they delivered it is that like, well, it's a good salary. It's an, it's Korean tech, but you don't have to code. So I decided to try it out. And it's kind of funny because when I got into QA, I started coding right immediately and I started learning programming languages and um, frameworks and all that um, right immediately. But it was definitely a nice and easy introduction to uh, like programming versus doing like uh, software development because as a software developer, you have to know so much stuff in terms of framework tools and things like that as a qa engineer you can be really sufficient with like two three or four frameworks that will help you to do your job well so i got into that and and like full disclosure i got into tech just because of money just because i needed to, to support my family i needed to have a job that pays a little bit better so, and then I, um, I got a job with iOS team and uh, I had to learn Swift and I had to learn all iOS infrastructure, how they do stuff. And I liked it so much that it, at some point it became a passion. And at some point I realized that like, I don't really want to develop automated tests and systems and frameworks. I want to do iOS development. And I started learning um, iOS development. And luckily when I was learning Swift, um, it was more so focused on iOS development because my purpose, when I joined the team, my purpose was to learn XUI tests. It's a framework to do UI testing for iOS applications, but I couldn't find anything XCUI test specific. So I had to learn iOS development as well. But of course, I tried to focus on like testing side of things. And when I realized that I don't want to do testing anymore, I um, studied a little bit more deeper iOS development. But it was it was rather easy journey for me because I was already working with iOS team. And it helped a lot. It helped a lot because as a new iOS developer or really any iOS developer, you like, it's really hard to understand how to build a good software when you just follow tutorials because it, they're really limited. They show you how to do a thing, but they don't show you how to scale your application, how to work with a large code base, how to work with a code base where there 
like uh, tens or sometimes hundreds of people working on the same code base. So working with a uh, with a an, with an iOS team helped a lot. And of course, I had all the expertise that I needed to ask when I got stuck. And more importantly, I was able to implement what I learned on the job because my team was super excited when they found out that I I know how like I learned iOS development and I know how to do a thing or two. So that was that that was definitely beneficial for me. Wow, there's 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 so much there. I um can definitely align with the fact of um and, and something I've been talking to a lot of people about lately is this idea that like I don't know, we hear companies say like, we want passionate individuals to come and join us. And you know, what motivates you to, to come into tech? And so many people are saying like, hey, the salary, <laughs> that's what got me here first. Like I didn't come here because it's the most exciting thing to do. Like I came here because it was gonna pay my bills. Like I have a mortgage. Um, so so I think it's important to acknowledge that and understand that you know people are motivated by different reasons, but also something I think that you said is so important that I strongly believe in is the fact that, you know, not. Not everything that we get into that we become passionate about starts out as our passion. I can surely tell you, um, much like you, I I did not I didn't plan to get into tech. I my background is in psychology as well. Um, you know, I I was looking at jobs at you know as a uh, in crisis family services and as a therapist and just realizing that like compensation just didn't match out um, what I would need essentially to survive and and. You know, I, I stumbled into tech myself and, and you know, it, I became passionate about it because I stuck in it long enough. I became good at it. And because I became good at it, you know, all sorts of things start following that promotions, additional learning, all these other accolades that come along with with sticking with something, with working hard at something. And then it became my passion. So I think it's 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 so important, one, that you highlighted that. And two, um, I think just continues to give life to that idea that, hey, People come from all walks of life, and while technology may be the place that they end up settling down, and it's it may be a destination. It's it's not always the, it's not always an intentional part of the journey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because uh, when I learned about like QA and uh, testing, I really I wasn't really passionate about quality or testing or any of that. I was just trying to figure out how to make six-figure salary and support my family. But the deeper I um, dived into technology, then I started liking it. Then my I think my true passion for technology came when I started doing iOS development because it was very, uh, it was very mature decision when I said, no, I don't want to move forward with uh, uh, software developer and test as that career anymore. And I'd rather switch to iOS development because this is what I uh, this is what I like to uh, to be doing. This is what brings me joy. And yes, um, as a good as that, you're probably gonna have a little bit easier time finding a job, but it is not what brings me joy. Like, or let me say, uh, let me say in a different way, not 
any platform brings me joy, but mobile platform, but iOS. And I and I figure, when why would I limit myself as a, as that just to iOS platform, and having difficult time finding employment, where I can just switch my specialty and just do mobile development in general and iOS development, and just be happy with what I do nine to five, happy with what I do for work. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the biggest thing is, is, is finding it, it takes some, and it takes time too, right? Like it takes time to find the thing that really, like that really does it for you. I've been my entire, you know, development career, I've been doing, um, backend development. And, and so, you know, recently, just recently I've started learning all sorts of front end stuff to do, um, to do web development and just, I, I can't get enough of it. So I was just talking to a friend today. I've been um, working with the React framework and working with uh, the React testing library. Um, and it's funny. So the, I've, they've known me since I started coding. Um, and and he just kind of remarked like, man, I thought I thought like C sharp and, and, and back end stuff was it for you um, to see you kind of like super excited about using um using javascript using some of these front-end frameworks and eventually you know my journey is going to take me to to, to node because I, I do still like my um i like i like my my full applications um you know just just doing that learning getting that excitement all over again is something that's that's been a, a really nice journey for me and i think um that happens to all of us when we find like that next framework or that next piece of technology that really excites us in terms of doing our doing our work yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's also about getting out of your comfort zone because for me, it was definitely getting out of my comfort zone because the interview process was, uh, it, it's, it, it was kind of the same, like algorithms, data structures, or um, the main specific knowledge, like what, what you can do with a thing that you normally do for work. Uh, but also it like it forced me to like really get better as a developer overall because as a developer you have to know a lot of things and you have to think about the whole picture the big picture and it, which is not necessarily always true for um, uh test automation engineers because they focus on solving a very specific problem. And that problem is also really, really important. But as a developer, you have to, th you have to think about everything. And uh, it really forced me to grow professionally and kind of um, brush up on my skills and uh, improve my uh, skills as well. Yeah, I know. So I was a I was a QA automation engineer um, for a bit, and I just remember thinking like, yes, I had to know my app, um, but I knew it from like a UI perspective. I didn't really know the back end of the app. I didn't really understand how that worked that well. Um, so it was interesting to me, you know, when I first started digging into um, when I first started digging into uh, you know core development so go so actually coding and creating feature development for an application um how different it is and how far in the future you might have to think about something um to make sure that it stays resilient 
uh, I, there were things that we would touch that I would look at in the application, like who built this and, and, and why did they build it this way? And then come to find out it was just, you know, rushing to get a feature in or not being very thoughtful about it. And because of that, it meant, you know, whatever X amount of time it was going to take for me to, um, to rewrite that or rebuild it so that it, so that it worked, uh, the way that we needed it to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you you brought up really interesting uh, po- uh, perspective or point. Um, at my previous job, I interviewed a lot of uh, iOS developers, and also we had a kind of hybrid role where you are an iOS developer, and you ex- it, it it is to be expected to work on the production level code on the feature code, but also you have, you are responsible for creating UI test automation. And we really struggle finding a right candidate. And sometimes what was missing with a lot of uh, test automation engineers or as does that they don't really think about the future of the app or the bigger picture that, well, I just do UI with X UI tests. I don't care about how to do like mocking or how to do X, Y, and Z, or how you your app will scale in the future. So I just need to create my UI framework that will scale for me if the app will change. And I thought is it is really interesting. I I found that for a, there were a couple of times where um the developers would do something and and at after um you know if they made changes in the application like after I'd have to like. I have to talk to them and say like, hey, this this change you made is is either one, it, it's something that we want to you know think about a little bit differently for how it's going to affect my development moving forward and building tests for the application, um, or like it just it sometimes meant like I'd have to rebuild a test and I got to a place where I where like it made me be more thoughtful and intentional about the way that I was writing tests so that even if I did have to make an edit, it wouldn't be one of those like I have to make an edit and then you're just like immediately in panic because you don't it might be a full rewrite for a a test that i just got out and just got working yeah i hear what you're saying because i was in that situation many many times when we finally scaled our ui framework to test the thing that we are trying to test and it works well for the most part and then business goes like well we have to rewrite our app so new app, new UI, new functionality. And then the thing that you were building for like six months, like out of the window and you have to start at the beginning. Yeah, I, I've done that more times than I, I care to, uh, I care to recall if I'm being honest. It just, it got old very quick to a point where it's just like, oh, I don't I don't want to do this anymore, <laughs> or I don't want to do this forever. Like, let me, let me, let me go create something. That would be much more. That'd be a much more valuable use of my time. Yeah, that was that. That was it for me because uh, I remember I got a contract that paid a little bit better than my uh, previous contract at the time, um, but it was I was related, and it it was all it, it was you test. UI test automation related, but it was Angular and it was on Windows. And after a month there, I said like, no, I'm going back. And my team had really difficult time finding my replacement because um, not a lot of iOS developers kind of know how to 
know how to test and do iOS development at the, at the same time. So I, just, I immediately went back to my team because like, no, and this is, that was probably a turning point for me where I knew that, oh, this is it. Like I, I can't really do other stuff anymore because like I'm having really difficult time with other technologies, not because I don't know those technologies. I, I, I didn't have a problem writing code or tests or learn their code base. It was rather easy, but like doing that work itself, it was rather daunting. Yeah, I think at some point, um, you know, you, you just get to the place where like, you know exactly what you want, you know exactly what you're looking for. And and when you find that place, when you get to that, like it, it just, it feels amazing. It feels really, really good. Um, and and happy, and, and it, it, I'm really happy to hear that you were able to find that in, um, in, in iOS development and in the work that you're doing today. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited too. Yeah, I, I, I know I've been there before. I know, I know what it feels like to get there, and it's it's such an enjoyable place. But we are coming up, uh, we are coming up on time, so I, I don't want to hold you too much longer. Um, any any last minute thoughts you want to share before we get out of here? I do want to give you a chance to also share, um, if you want to, uh, how people can find you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So the final thought. So if you are thinking about career in tech and if you think that it is super difficult or something unachievable, it is not true. It is, it is really difficult, but I think anybody can learn it and at least try it out. Try it out if it, if it is right for you because it is okay to try it out and say, you know what, coding is not right for me, but... There are also so many other opportunities in tech that you can do. So I think it's a it's a it, that that would be my advice to people. Don't be scared. Just just try it out. Just try it out if it works for you. And my social media. So you can find me on YouTube if you search for Eugene Berezin B E R E Z I N. Then you can find my channel. You can find my uh, you you can find me on Twitter, and I think my Twitter handle is at Eugene iOS Dev. I, I think it's what yeah Eugene iOS Dev. So you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to establish prof more professional connection with me. Yeah, this is how you can find me on the internet. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eugene, for joining us. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Um, and this has been, this has honestly been great. I love, I've been getting more, surrounded more and more with individuals who are in the, uh, in the iOS dev community. One that I'm not, um, I have tied my, my origin ties in terms of development come from, but I don't have a lot of day-to-day um, -day interaction with. So I, I really enjoy learning and hearing about their journey. So this is such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, everyone, that takes us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.